0: Let's go. Welcome. Good morning. So uh, first and foremost, you guys are definitely brave for being here. I just want to acknowledge everybody actually coming into uh, MODEX considering uh, what's going on in the world around the coronavirus. So I really want to just say thank you and for your participation. It, it means a lot that you guys actually showed up. Uh, my name's Jim Barnes. I'm the CEO of Invista. This is Charlie Hillebold as well, who is with uh, HCM. Uh, basically a CEO of HCM as well. And the, the focus of the day's conversation is really around leveraging uh, practical robots today uh, in both manufacturing and distribution. And because we've got a small group, if you've got questions or raise your hands, feel free to ask. You know, we can make this as interactive as possible. Is that, does that work? All right, awesome. So, Hopefully, we answer a couple questions as we go through this. You know, what's happening in terms of digital transformation? I think we've heard this concept called digital supply chain, digital transformation. What's happening? Talked about. You know, what does the market think in terms of in terms of robots, uh, autonomous robots, collaborative robots? How are they being applied? How are they not being applied? Um, Again, you know what do we, what you know what do you think we know in terms of how we're applying them today in real life examples? Uh, Charlie's got great examples of using robots today uh, in both manufacturing and distribution. We can talk about. Um, you know, what is a robot? For just for those who don't know what a robot is, let's establish what a robot is and what a robot's not, especially as it relates to manufacturing and distribution-centric uh, type uh, practices. Um, what are the what are the problems are we solving for? And you know, why why are we solving today with robots compared to five years ago? Like why why all of a sudden the rush to go put robotics today um, in a distribution or manufacturing-centric uh, environment? Uh, what are we accustomed to? What are any latest trends? Uh, the difference between a, a collaborative robot, an autonomous robot, so what we call a cobot, um, and then really what's holding us back? What's holding you back from actually leveraging robots more in physical distribution in manufacturing? Right? And there's probably other questions that you may have. And if there are, feel free to feel free to raise your hands. Okay? So let me set some context. I thought I'd start with, you know, what's happening in terms of digital transformation, and I think this is very, very key. And we'll get into robots, but I, uh, in, as we go through the presentation, but I thought I'd start with like one higher level up. Like, what's what's happening in terms of digital transformation, and what's happening is really these four constructs of what I call. Uh, these four constructs are happening as it relates to digital transformation. One is um, this thing called elastic cloud computing. Right? Who today is running some application or um, some basically system today in the cloud? Right? Raise the hands. Maybe, maybe not. Right? So you're either you're either running. Um, a true application that's built for the cloud, right? Or your or your hosting application today in the cloud. Like for example, we actually put our software runs in the cloud today and it's native to the cloud. Um, and so what does that mean? The, the reality is you, right, as practitioners don't have to worry about putting in infrastructure, putting in servers, um, putting manage, manage, management around those servers today, scaling those servers. We quite frankly take care of that for you, right? And so if you look at the big clouds, AWS, uh, Azure, uh, I would put Oracle up there as well, and probably IBM with your four major clouds that are really making a difference today in the marketplace. And then we get into IoT, IoT being Internet of Things and be able to take basically inputs and outputs and taking a mass, mass amounts of data and then do something with that actual data. Um, there's a lot of buzz around AI and machine learning, right? I laugh when I hear the word AI because AI has been around since the 60s. What's now happening is is that computing power is now starting to catch up to make it actually affordable to use artificial intelligence to start driving decisions in our supply chains. And then big data and data science, right? So when I talk about big data, we're talking about terabytes of data and data scientists that are basically have degrees in applied mathematics that can actually look at the data and then predict what's happening in the future. So again, just kind of give you some background um, as we start talking about digital transformation, robotics and automation. And then how does it relate to you? So we're taking this information and I, I think we're putting it into really four additional constructs. One is global supply chain networks. So what's happening uh, end to end my supply chain? Like, so where does inventory sit? Where am I moving inventory? How am I positioning inventory? How am I basically optimizing my inventory? Um, Transportation, where are my assets, right? Where are my containers? Um, Where is my freight on the actual road? And looking at where this information is coming from to give you better visibility to do what? Make better decisions so you're more informed. Physical distribution is really kind of the focus that we're going to focus on is really physical distribution and how is robotics and automation being applied to physical distribution and manufacturing. Okay, So just kind of want to start high level and then we're going to start drilling into some some details. So if you look at what the markets, what's happening in the market, and this is about three years old, Um, the reality is is that. People are starting to adapt uh, robots today and uh, autonomous vehicles uh, and, and and cobots. I mean, you can't walk Modex without seeing some form of a robot or a right angle robot. So, Charlie, I don't know if you have anything to, to add to here, but.
1: Yeah, w- what we do know is that this is continuing to accelerate. So. There, three years ago, the market felt like robots were going to really disrupt the industry, right? And there was a lot of focus put on that. And we thought that that may calm down, it may flatten out a little bit, but what we see even in today's market is that's continued to accelerate. So there's lots of opportunities, there are a lot of people doing R&D, which is really what we do in the robot industry. It really grew up in the manufacturing industry, but you're seeing a lot more activity in the warehouse distribution market today. So we know that there's going to be continued opportunities not only for the manufacturers but those working in the DCs themselves to implement some of this technology so
0: yeah i think bullet point 4 is really what's one of the enablers i mean those who are running physical distribution or manufacturing all of you are being impacted by labor and labor shortages okay or if you're not being impacted by labor shortages you're definitely being impacted by what Labor wage rates, and so you're looking for taking some of those repetitive tasks that was done by quite frankly humans, right? Your associates in your physical four walls, and replacing it with something that's quite frankly a standardized type process. Okay, um, but in the, the day to Charlie's point, you know, three years ago, if you were to walk Modex and ProMat, you may see a little bit of robotics and automation. It's now becoming mainstream. One because a uh, the software uh, in terms of driving the actual robot, Robots are getting smarter, the computing power, as I talked about, is starting to get more powerful and less costly, and we're starting to see obviously it's happening, labor shortages where unemployment rates today are less than three, three and a half percent, right? And I call the, the, the employ the, the employable is really unemployable, right? I mean we're at a we're at a dangerous point as it relates to the actual labor markets. Again. Uh, some additional research that says, just again, validation as to where robots and automation are coming from. You know, it's it's disruptive. It is it is a competitive advantage. And so, for those who are using robots today, are using some form of automation, which we'll talk about here shortly. It is it is disruptive, and it is a competitive advantage based upon the surveys that we've seen.
1: Okay. Yeah, I think what we see is the hardware really hasn't changed a whole lot. Even what you see out there today, it's really the software that's driving the improvements and the change in applications.
0: Yeah, I'm not, not to make a plug about Vista, but if you were to go right, I mean, our booth's right here. I mean, it's a, the, not to, you know, I'm going to pick it myself here. The conveyor is relatively simple, it's a commodity. Uh, the right arm indefector is relatively a commodity. What, what's not a commodity is a software right that's actually visualizing and picking up that vitamin bottle and understands and learning that hey, once I see this pattern, I'm recognizing that pattern, the next time I see it, here's what I can do. I can speed up or slow down. So again, we're using machine learning in the visual and so- the vision software to actually understand what I see it in terms of pick. Placement and grab and put right that's where the power is the power isn't really in the the robot itself The power is actually in the software, okay? Again disruptive technology is just some additional, uh, you know, what does the market think again? 80% believe that digital supply chains will be will be predominant in the next uh, the next five years So what I mean, what do what do you what do you guys think right? Are you guys seeing today? Uh, projects that you've got internally that are, that are driving digital transformation, or are you just kind of on the outside looking in, are you looking to get more educated to figure out how you can actually use digital uh, transformation and supply chain, uh, digitalization to drive better efficiencies? I'm just curious from an audience perspective, what, what, do, you, what, do, you, what do you see? And I can always pick on somebody, L- education, okay, anybody else? You guys are quiet. So I'll, I'll just re-summarize. So the, the question, really, or the, the statement, was really more around <clears throat> um, labor, right? Uh, and then more importantly, around how do you actually apply this technology to one supply chain? Like where do you, know, like, where, where do you start, right? We'll, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about that. We do, we do a lot of proof of concepts because it is new, right? And so instead of going out and bowling the ocean. We'll take a business problem that you may have and we'll prove it out through a proof of concept in a lab environment, test it, right? And then use that test bed to, to generate confidence then go deploy on a much bigger solution.
1: Yeah, and I think when you see 80% are concerned about the disruption of robotics, that's an opportunity for many of us, right? If, if we see fear, we see opportunity, Yeah. So.
0: Well, it's interesting. I heard an interesting quote. Uh, I was at the uh, High Jump user conference last week. I'll, I'll give a plug to High Jump. And they had a keynote speaker. We talk about fear. And I l- liked what the keynote said. This guy climbed Mount Everest twice. And he said, Beyond fear is freedom. And I thought that was an interesting quote, right? So, beyond fear is freedom. The, rea- the reality is, I don't think there's anything to be fearful of. The question is early adopters of this technology are going to have a competitive differentiation. And so it's not a matter of if, it's simply a matter of when. And so the question is how do you make a good business case and the return on your investment to start evaluating these types of solutions within your overall environment, okay? So again, we talked about this, You know, what are we solving for and why? I mean, again, it's labor shortages. Today, unemployment, this you know, is showing basically running from April to July of 18, a little bit dated here, but it's still teetering around 3%, if not lower. And so there is definitely a labor shortage. And to get labor that's actually consistent, right? Um, that's also very, very difficult. Cost of space, right? Cost of space in real estate is starting to actually increase. Um, and so what you see in Europe, or even in Japan, right or wrong, you see a lot more adoption of robotics and automation because of space, but also because of just the challenges around labor. I mean, once you hire somebody in Europe, they're quite frankly, they're an associate for life. right? We don't, they have different labor laws uh, in Europe than they actually do here in the US. So you, saw, you see a lot more uh, robotics and automation in, in Europe than you do here in the US. right? And then obviously the cost out labor.
1: Yeah, on the labor side, you know, we a couple years ago when a lot of the states started to have a $15 minimum wage, we got a lot of clients requesting automation, right? Um, some of them went forward with that, and some of them didn't. But today, what we see is they can't find the labor period, so it's a it's not really a question of cost; it's a right. question of delivering to their clients. So they're making the investment. You know, the ROIs have changed in many of the cases for the automation.
0: And just real quick on the whole concept of labor, I think what's key is, and you guys, this is. You know, pretty common sense, but I'll just say it for for, for the record: is that one advantage of the ro- of, of robotics today and collaborative robots is that they don't wake up with hangovers, right? They don't wake up sick. Now, they're going to run 24/7, right? So the other way to look at it is they're going to take and they do take the variability out of a process. So you have a, a repetitive process, which we'll talk about, and we can automate it you're taking the variability out of that process and consistently getting, let's say, 250 you know, lines per hour, or I'm picking 150 units per hour, whatever your metric happens to be, day in and day out. So that's the one advantage about using robotics when the process can be standardized or is standardized is we're taking the variability out of that process by using robots to basically perform that task. Right? So just sounds like common sense, but I would just I want to state that for you guys. Right. So. Again, you know, what do you think uh, you know what do you think we know our biases are right? so typically we hear they're limited in their applications, so robots, autonomous robots, cloud robots are very limited in what we can do with them right I mean, how could I place a human being? Um, you know they aren 't proven yet well I think that's I think we're trying to we're, we actually are we are proving the unproven right now today in a number of uh, applications that we've built um, they 're too expensive right, and they 're not widely used so I would tell you that they are and they can be expensive, but they also can have a pretty decent payback. Um, And what we're seeing today with solutions that we built and some of the people that are here at Modex is that we're seeing basically almost a lease type program. So you're not coming out of pocket with massive amounts of capital, you're just paying on a cost per unit basis. Uh, A good example, and they're not here, uh, they pulled out of the show a company called Kindred AI. And uh, they're out of San Francisco and, and out of Toronto, Canada, but they built out a, a lot of AI software, and was, as it relates to a put-to-store for the Gap, and so you know the Gap didn't come out of pocket with millions of dollars of robots. They simply pay Kindred AI a piece per unit. They pay them. I don't. Know, let's call it five cents per unit, and so there is no upfront capital on your end. Yes, they signed a three-year, five-year contract, but the reality is you're simply leasing the software. You're leasing the robotics. You're not coming out of pocket for it. Okay.
1: Definitely a trend in that direction, right? Pay per piece versus, yeah. you know, rolling out this huge capital investment.
0: And the the other thing too, that's just really key is, you know, where where can this be where can this be applied to today? Um, you know, one of the things that we look for is in seasonality. And so if you look at, um, you look at Six Rivers, who's out here with a collaborative uh, solution, they call it Chuck. Uh, we happen to know, know, know those guys pretty well. I mean, the advantage to that is, look, I can, I can lease them for eight weeks or ten weeks during peak and then I can move it over someplace else. So you're not coming out of pocket, like you're not going on building, my point is, old, you know, it's, it's, it's old metaphor, you're not building church, right? You're not building the church for Sunday, you're basically buying what you're using for that peak time, and then they're taking those chucks and moving them someplace else, does that make sense? So again, you've got some flexibility with some of these providers. So it's a robot, I'll let you take this one.
1: Yeah, so I mean, certainly the lines have grayed, right? When we started the industry, we've been a FANUC integrator for about 25 years. A robot was a robotic mechanical arm, right? The kind you'd see in the automotive industry. Those are the guys that really brought a lot of that technology into the States today. And now you go out to the show and pretty much everything that's automated is considered a robot. So your AGVs are now robots. Uh, Some of the moles are now robotic. Um, I think a lot of it is really just the software again. It doesn't have anything to do with the hardware piece. So certainly the line I think is gonna continue to gray, right? There's going to be more items in the material handling space or in the automation space that are considered to be robots. So, so what are we accustomed to, right? So in
0: distribution, for those who've never seen one of these and I apologize, the, the uh, picture's a little blurry, this is basically your audit storage retrieval system. So these have been around forever, right? These, This is not new technology, right? It's been around forever in terms of Uh, putting product into a tote this is also a GTP type system where the product's coming back. So again, this technology's been around, but today, you know, we're calling these robots, or, or we're spinning it from a marketing perspective because somebody's come up with and we put AI on it because we're trying to drive better, better automation or better, uh, better optimization with the actual with the actual crane system, right? So again, we're also used to AGVs. I mean, AGVs been around what?
1: Uh, At Charlie, least fifty years, 50, right? Now. Fifty
0: years. So this is not, you know, this is this is not new, right? This 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 is not new technology. Um, And then industrial robots and palletizing systems. And we, you know, I think this is one of our sites. I think we've built, we've built, you know, we've been doing this for 20 years. So again, this is also not used, not not you. But again, we're calling this today a robot, right? Right or wrong? Okay? So what are are the latest robots' uh, uses? Well, we talked about good to person. Robots travel, right, Uh, to you. The first uh, that was out in the market was uh, one of the first out there, was a company uh, called Kiva. Uh, Remember Kiva? Anyone remember Kiva? Yep. Well, Kiva got bought by a little company called Amazon, right? And there's been a lot of derivatives of of Kiva. Gray Orange has come out now with a very very similar system uh, in terms of basically putting a shelf onto a autonomous robot and basically bringing product to to you, right? Um, We've got persons of good, workers and robots traveling together. We've got uh, goods to robots. So again, fixed, these are fixed robots. And we've got robots to goods as well, or mobile rob- robots. So again, this is what's happened today um, in the industry, and they're just different practical uses depending upon what you're solving for. I don't know if you got anything to add.
1: Yeah, I think the big expansion has really been in the goods to person, and then person to robots. I think there's still, on the bleeding edge of actually sending a robot out and having them grab items. There aren't a whole lot of real practical applications for that kind of automation yet, but I think that's the push. When you use some of the vision systems that are out there today, I think in the next ten years that's kind of the leap. Hey, we can have a robot go out and physically pick items in the warehouse in a static location. There are some some technology companies that are trying to prove that those are real live applications today.
0: Yeah. I think we'll show you one with the what is it with universal universal robots?
1: Yeah, you are, you are Fetch yeah, has Fetch. one now that they're mounting to robots. We'll show you what those look like.
0: So again, you know, you guys have probably seen this. You'll see this today. These are these are G, what we call GTP, good to persons. Products are brought to packers or pickers on the shelf. You know, again, these are just different applications that you'll see today at Modex or this week. And then you've got really person to good, right? So this is this is what's interesting. Um, and, I, and I, personally, I like this technology where it's going because if you think about it, uh, for those who run uh, either a retail-centric or an e com centric type distribution center. Uh, What you've done, uh, what you probably do to do do in some ways, you run some kind of batch pick. And if you, or you're picking the cart, right? So I'm picking a cart, I'm doing a pick and pass type system, I'm using conveyance to do pick and pass, or I'm doing a cart pick and I'm trying to build smart carts for my WMS. You've got some form of this today on the low end, and you may be getting, depending upon density, you may be getting maybe 100 lines an hour, maybe 125 lines an hour, maybe 180 max depending upon the density if I'm picking cosmetics, right? You may be getting higher lines per hour, right? Um, And then you've got, and then the other extreme, right? You've got shuttles, which is GTP. And so I've got this relatively inexpensive, smart cart pick process, and the opposite in, I've got a shuttle system that cost me three and a half, four million dollars, Charlie, to yeah. put
1: in. Yeah, for sure. The, the big difference between those two technologies is the cost to entry, right? If you do goods to person, you're making a massive investment, right? You're gonna have to disrupt your entire system, uh, your inventory. These are being laid down in existing DCs, so the cost to entry is significantly less, right? And yeah. you can step in the water without jumping in all the way.
0: Yeah, exactly. So you know we did we're doing a GTP we're doing a good to person system right now with autostore, it's five and a half, six million dollars yep. minimum, right? I mean so it's a large capital investment. It's the right system, it's the right solution depending upon what they're doing, because it's very, very dense. They're in the Bronx, right? They need something like this, we're picking picking uh, groceries. But then the question is, well look, I go from one extreme to the next extreme. And what I like about this technology, it's kind of filling the gap. And to Charlie's point, I don't need to go change my physical distribution environment to actually go do for a proof of concept. I mean, six rivers today, I think, for, I don't know, again, I'm gonna use a quarter of a million, the last I heard, but you can go lease, I kid you not, 10 chucks for a quarter of a million dollars to do a proof of concept, and you're done. Right, and so if you're picking 100 lines per hour, you're now picking 200 lines an hour. So you're getting basically 100 percent increase in productivity, right? Using this type of technology versus going all the way to a GTP system. So again, it's a nice it's a nice gap. I mean, uh, the follow me is obviously uh, Six Rivers, uh, locus up here on the right hand side is more of a, a find me type system. Um, but the other thing too, you know, you know, it, it comes with a cost. But again, a lot of these guys are leasing or renting this over a three- to five-year type contract, so you're not coming out of
1: pocket to buy these individually, right? Okay?
0: I'll let you take this one.
1: We're talking about collaborative robots, so even in the previous slide that you guys saw, the robots are collaborative. That means that man and machine can work in the same space. Even with AGVs or wire-guided vehicles, way back in the day, right? The big concern was safety, right? So it is truly the the sensing, the mapping, and then the software that allows us to know whether or not it's a fixed object, i.e., a shelf, a bin, a pallet, versus a person. So also on the industrial robot side, you saw some pictures of those yellow robots. Uh, you'll see around the show today universal robots uh, some fanic robots out there the green ones uh, those are all collaborative now essentially they use advanced force sensing to know when a person's in the area and it slows the robot down and then it has um, a sophisticated mechanical and software solution that allows the robot to work right next to a human being so even the vehicles that you guys see they're basically using like LiDAR to look out there and see people walking in those aisles um, when you look at the industrial robot type solutions they all have a solution for that and there's been very successful in implementing a lot of these so yeah collaborative robots will continue to expand for sure
0: yeah I mean a good example that practical is if you look at some of the pictures uh, I'll just go back like if you look at that Six River Chuck or even the uh, the Locus up here not really you know biased towards either one, um, it will actually speed up and slow down. So if it sees, if it sees somebody in a travel path, it's going to naturally slow down. But if it sees nobody in that travel path, it's going to speed up. So, the reality is, as human beings, being an industrial engineer, we walk 180 linear feet per minute. It actually can speed up, right, faster than a human person could actually walk based upon knowing there's nobody in its way, right? So, again, that collaborative working together, human and robot working together being a collaborative type robot, okay? So, this is a, this is a, this is a kindred system, if those who have not seen it. Uh, we've actually had the uh, the pleasure of working with these guys. Um, I know the CEO very well, named Jim Leifer, out of San Francisco. But again, you know the the robots, the commodity, the actual put put walls are relatively a commodity. What's not a commodity is the end effector, the gripper, and the actual AI software they built for pattern recognition. And so as products are coming down, this. Um, Cross belt sorter, or actually tilt tray sorter, it's looking at the pattern right in the actual hopper and determining which one do I pick up in order to drive speed and efficiencies, right? So again, pretty power, pretty powerful software, per, pretty powerful technology that they've actually
1: deployed. So, yeah, Jim mentioned this is another one of those mobile solutions where they may not have this in their building. You know, 12 months a year, they may implement it, deploy it, then take it out based on peak demand. And a lot of the solutions on the mobile side um, are increasing in application.
0: Yeah, so if you think about from a labor perspective, you know, the, the, the system pre was literally, I'd have people at the end of these shoots taking product and putting it into a put wall, right? And manual. Now the robot inside that actual, uh, inside that device is actually taking product looking at it with revision software and putting the put wall automatically. All I'm doing is just picking picking up completed orders in the back end. So I've completely eliminated, right, hundreds of hundreds of man hours. And again, these guys are charging, right or wrong, they're simply charging by unit. So there was no capital investment. They went to Gap and said, sign a five year contract, I'm gonna charge you X number per unit, and we're done, right? kind of a no-brainer when you take away some of the actual um, financial aspects uh, of of a project of this nature. So, right? This is, uh, I think this is one of your favorites here. You you like these guys.
1: Right, yeah, so essentially what they're doing there is they're bolting on collaborative robots. You kind of see them over in the left-hand corner onto an automated guide vehicle a robot, mobile robot, and going out and physically picking items. You know, this is kind of on the ragged edge of reality versus, you know, hype at this point. There certainly are some applications where you'll see some videos out there where they're trying it. We don't currently see a whole bunch of applications being implemented. Um, typically, the collaborative robot needs to move a little bit slower just to be intrinsically safe. So, the previous slide that you saw where we're running goods to robots is similar to what Invista has set up in their cell today, in their booth, I should say. Those applications are definitely here. Those are being um, worked on and developed and deployed today, but these applications are pretty rare. There aren't a lot of those out there today. Yeah,
0: yeah and the complexity, as you can, as you can imagine, in that uh, eight-foot linear racking is that I've got to visualize what I'm what I'm picking. So again. Um, where you can standardize on product uh, product uh, product placement on shelf makes things easier, but the complexity is the fact that the product is actually very very random so that 's where the complexity comes from
1: yeah the wider the range of skews, the more complicated the application just to treat teach the vision application so what's
0: so what 's holding us back right the biggest a couple things is flexibility and so finding the right purpose again i 'm not a big believer of you know solving or creating a problem that that doesn't exist. And so what's what's holding us back? The flexibility of finding the right application to solve the right problem first and foremost, right? Uh, second is cost versus payback. And so what a lot of providers and I've already again repetitive a lot of providers are taking that financial pain away from you as buyers and allowing you to basically pay on a SaaS-based software as a service type, type, type basis, and if you look at, I'll, and I'll, I'll pick on Kindred AI. I, I laugh with Jim Leifer, I'm like, look, you're not a robotics company. You're a software company. And he goes, That's hundred percent what I am, because my arm my arm is a commodity, right? It's a fanic arm, right? I've had my mechanical engineers build my actual put walls for me. And what really what I am is I'm a software company driving value, right? I'm not really a robotics company. And I would tell you that that's that's the real key. The real key secret sauce is being software centric versus
1: hardware centric. I think the two keys for us on this slide is flexibility. A lot of our clients' applications change all the time, so they're concerned about making a significant investment and find out that that technology is no longer going to fit their applications. And then having the right resources to continue to operate the equipment. When you talk about long-term maintenance, it's really a technical gap.
0: Yeah, and safety is also very key, right? We can't... At the end of the day, from an OSHA perspective, I mean, I like to think that uh, safety is your number one priority when you're walking your four walls or main manufacturing sites, and so you're looking obviously at number of lost days, and so again. Um, there's also a change management, right? Component. I'm a so, I'm an associate now working with one of these GTP systems or collaborative robots. You're changing my world, right? I'm not used to actually walking next to somebody. How do I know it's not going to run me over, right? How do I know it's not going to knock me over? Again, so there's some change management components to this as well that, quite frankly, you you have to consider, right? And then long-term maintenance. You could probably talk about long-term maintenance and just maintaining the equipment.
1: Yeah, the cost of the maintenance is typically pretty low on these machines. It's, it's pretty developed technology, right? Like I said, I think the big concern is the technical gap. You know, most of our clients haven't deployed any technology like this, and to put something in there that's very sophisticated, especially when you talk about 3D vision and picking out of bins, um, their concern is really long-term being able to continue to keep the equipment running. So, look,
0: we've uh, we've gone through this presentation pretty quickly. Uh, we've got about 13 minutes left, which is uh, record speed for us because I usually <laughs> talk a lot more. But, uh, but are there any questions that you have of us? I mean, we're obviously experts in this, we do this every day, uh, we're solving. Uh, real problems for our clients as a systems integrator are there any questions that you may have where to start if you've got an equipment manufacturer that you're looking at or an OEM I mean feel free to use this time uh, today if you've got if you've got questions Charlie and I can definitely answer them. any 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 questions what Yeah, so, uh, so the question is, do you have any uh, kind of rules of thumbs in terms of efficiencies that robots uh, or this type of technology can, can, can get, right? Is that, is that fair? Um, I'll give you an example. We did, uh, we did some analysis for um, an e-com company that were, that were doing pick-to-cart, okay? And say they were doing pick-to-cart, they weren't using smart cart building logic within their WMS and they were struggling getting uh, just over 70 lines per hour uh, in picking product from shelves, right? So I'm taking a cart, to put it in perspective, I'm putting a shipper onto a cart, I'm picking, uh, I think, 24 orders at a time, and I'm doing discrete order picks into a cart, and I'm done, right? And they were struggling getting 70 lines per hour. Uh, We came in with Six Rivers, uh, did some analysis, we took the lines per hour from 70 to 155, okay? So we doubled the number of lines per hour, although the chuck couldn't handle 24, 24 cartons, it could only handle 12 cartons at a time, okay? So we reduced the capacity on the cart, but we were driving more efficiencies. Uh, One of the things that we found though in terms of financials is there was an economic uh, payback. It was less than three years, right? So it was, I think, just around uh, 28 months. But the way we got the payback was that we actually had to run two shifts because it took two chucks, it took two chucks to one associate, right? But on a second shift, but on a second shift, my overall ca- my overall lease cost is sunk, right? So the question is, how do I give, in this case here, the chuck more work? Does it make sense? You follow me? So it didn't pay back on one shift, but it paid back on two shifts because I already had a sunk cost in the actual chuck. So the more the chuck worked, right, the lower my cost per unit went down, and that's how we got our 28-month payback, which was three years. And obviously, we started off with a proof of concept with uh, with 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 ten chucks, um, relatively inexpensive. Um, the chucks arrived. We spent more time arguing about integration points than we did actually getting the chucks live. I mean, the chucks showed up and they were ready to rock and roll within within a week. Uh, we spent six weeks doing integration between their WMS and the actual um, the actual chuck software, right? But again, less than three year payback, and we double the productivity, right? And during peak, during peak is really, really what it really paid back. So over the year, right, it still had a 28-month payback, but where we really got the payback was during peak, right? Because again, what ended up happening was, and this is a key, this is a key, this is a key factor in in, in season, right, for this particular client. Christmas time, they had to hire a lot of temporary labor, and the productivity for that temp labor was lower, right, than their typical labor that they paid uh, every day. And so we lost productivity. So the real payback was during the peak time frame, not over the 12 month time frame, if that makes sense. Because we lost productivity bringing on temporary labor. Okay? Does that answer your question? Uh, I can't. Well, let's see, do the math. They were shipping north of three million orders a year, and they're averaging 1.2 lines per order. So, do the math. You know, 3.6 million lines a year, right? To ship out three million parcels, three million e-com orders a year, right? And the SKU SKU count was around 25,000 SKUs. So 25,000 SKUs. The four pick locations were about 100,000 square feet, and this was shelving. So the beautiful thing was, we didn't have to change the shelving or the actual aisle spacing. Aisle spacing was already 48 inches. We came in, laid it down, we mapped it right up and running within six weeks, and we saw productivity almost immediately. And the training was instantaneous. I mean, you know, just basically following the display. It was instantaneous. Right? Is that is that answer your question? Okay. Any other? We got about eight minutes left. Any other questions? Yes, sir.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you can. Yeah, he can talk about that. Yeah. So certainly in the food industry, about half our business comes from manufacturing. Um, they have adopted high-speed vision-guided picking, you know, across the board. Most of the major companies already. So on the packing side, it really depends on what we're packing. Um, you know, I think there was a big push to try and put as much in the carton or case as humanly possible. Automation just doesn't—not quite as flexible, right? It has to be rigid. It has to be the same general product every single time. Yeah. Oh. So yeah. Yeah. Yep. So. I think the slide that probably represents that the best is you know goods to robots. Well, there is a big push out in the industry today where they're going to bring goods to a, uh, a robot. The robot's going to pack the order out, and that box will go directly out to the customer. So.
0: Yeah, even if it's a put wall, like we've done some proof of concepts with a client that's in the um, eyeglassware. Right? It was simple proof of concept. Right? Right or wrong, they didn't move forward. But we did a we did a, a POC for them as they're really taking eyeglasses taking product that was being bulk picked and tote, taking it to a put wall, grabbing it, and putting it into a put wall, and it was completely hands-off. I mean, putting the item in the carton, even picking the carton on the back side, and then taking it to dunnage and case taping, right? Completely hands-off. And, uh, and so it, it can be done. We've, we've done those types of proof of concepts.
1: Yeah, on the robot side, there's a company out there called OPEX. I don't know if you ever heard of them, but yep, they're using robots, mobile robots, essentially to pack e-com orders. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What's the? What's the? And a lot of it, a lot of the quite frankly depends on the product, right? So. You know, bags, ba- you know, uh, apparel that's in overpacked bags is much much more complicated than picking up, I don't know, a vitamin bottle, right? Uh, or something that's got a relatively, the, the form fitter function is simple for the actual robot to pick up, right? Where I'm starting to do complex grabs with bags and shoes, a little more complicated. But general merchandise, you know, there's, there's applicability there, okay? Vegetables, I mean, are hard to do, but we've seen vegetables. We've seen robots pick up apples. I mean, so it can it can be done, right? Any other any other questions? We got about five minutes. If not, I can give you guys your time back. Uh, but any other questions, thoughts, concerns? All right. Well, thank you. appreciate Appreciate you guys coming in and listening to uh, Charlie and I speak. Thank you. Thank you.